Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our text this morning is Psalm 13. And as we uh, read Psalm 13 just a few moments ago, you can tell it's not a very long psalm. It's only a, a few verses. But as you can see, reading this psalm, the change that happens from beginning to end is nothing short of dramatic. The contrast between the opening words and the ending is like, the contrast is like night and day. It goes from the depths of desperation to the heights of praise. It goes from the crucible of suffering to the tranquility of trust. Now, one reason for this quick turnaround is that we catch the psalmist here, King David, near his transition point from anguish to joy. But the opening verses make clear that his trouble have been going on long before uh, this point at, at, this opening, at the opening verses. The time frame of this psalm might be uh, this much, but the suffering that has happened before the psalm is written has gone on an extended period of time. You can see that by reading verses 1 and 2, where David writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? What's the constant refrain here in these opening verses? You hear it in those words, how long? David is suffering greatly, and it just doesn't seem to end. It feels like God has forgotten him, and that God has turned his face away from David. Now, in the Bible, God forgetting someone or hiding his face from that person means The Lord is withholding his covenant blessings and covenant fellowship. When God turns his face away from someone, it's as if he has rejected that person and is abandoning him or her. It's the opposite of the priestly blessing found in number six, a blessing we hear uh, every Sunday. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance or face upon you and give you peace. Right? That's the height of covenant blessing. But right now in this moment, David is feeling none of that. In fact, it's the very opposite. This is not an isolated example in Scripture. You read through the Bible and do a search in Scripture of those words, how long? You often hear God's people make that cry, how long, O Lord? You see it in various Psalms, and you might feel that in your own life at various points too. You know what? Maybe some of you are in that situation right now. 
Or you cry out, how long, O Lord, must I go through this spiritual and psychological anguish? How long must I endure this physical pain or suffering? How long must I suffer from loneliness and sorrow? How long must I struggle with this sin? How long, O Lord? That is the trial that many believers go through. And again, maybe you're going through that right now. David certainly went through those times. But look now again at the contrast uh, we see at the end to that beginning. Look at how this psalm ends. David writes, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, given what he writes at the beginning of this psalm, given his suffering at the beginning, how can David say at the end, I have trusted in your steadfast love? It seems like God's steadfast love was not there for him at all. In fact, it seemed that God's steadfast love had disappeared forever. And when you are in that how long situation, you might feel that way too. But here's where we must understand something important about God's covenant love, His steadfast love or loyalty. So we should ask, how do we know it's real? How can we be assured that it's there? And how is God's steadfast love proved true? Is it because God keeps us from painful trials or never brings us through suffering? And the answer to that is no. No, we do not trust God's steadfast love because... We are walking on easy street or something like that. Instead, God's steadfast love is proved true in another way. God's steadfast love is proved true in the giving of His Son for our sins. See, we don't trust that God is faithful and that He's loving towards us because life is easy. Instead, despite the trouble and the trial, we trust in God's steadfast love because Jesus Christ gave his life for us on the cross. And this is the very thing we read in Romans 8. There it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now listen to what it says. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? God gave us what was most precious to him. He gave it to us. How do we know God is for us? Not because God spares us from all suffering, but because God did not spare his own son, but gave him for us. How can we trust that the Lord is there and with us 
when it feels like he has turned his face away from us, was because he turned his face away from Jesus Christ while he was on the cross and abandoned him. And he laid the curse on Christ, the curse of our sins, so that he might place his blessing on us. We see that very truth displayed in the Lord's Supper this morning. We see, through the sacrament also, that God did not spare his own Son. Instead, he gave himself up for us, you who look to Jesus Christ in faith, and you who eat and drink the body and blood of Christ by faith. Because God did this, it means we can trust His steadfast love even as we go through the depths of suffering. And this is something Romans 8 also teaches us. It assures us, right? God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also graciously give us all things? And it goes on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Oh, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here you see that God's people can go through those things. Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Right? God doesn't spare His children from those afflictions. But He does assure us of His love in Jesus Christ. Without God's steadfast love, where would we be? What would we have in life? In the end, we'd really have nothing. We would go through suffering of life without any hope, without any comfort. We, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have something, we have something far greater. Different, something far different in God through Christ. No matter how long we need to wait, no matter what trouble we face, we can be sure God will redeem us, and in fact has redeemed us from the suffering of this life. Look again at the psalm, you see an incredible change. It goes from barely hanging on to a steady confidence in God. It goes from deep anguish to exuberant joy and praise. Now, we might not face that drastic a change in this life. Our suffering and trial might continue on to the end of our life here on earth. Be that as it may, this change from suffering to joy will be ours one day. And that's because this change will happen when we go from the trouble of this life to the glory of the life to come. The Apostle Paul writes something of this in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on, imperish- put on the imperishable, 
And this mortal body must put on immortality. And that change will happen in a moment. And then all of our suffering will be over. And so the Apostle Paul goes on to say, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Amen.